welcome Nerdy Knights of the Well-Rounded Table to Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms and, quite frankly, most aptly, Star Wars. I'm Queen of Queries and Defender of Droids, Sarah O'Connor. Welcome, welcome. Hello there. I'm Colleen McMillan, Jedi Master and Rebel Scum Collaborator. I am Pirate Jedi, Anders Drew. And I'm your ambassador from Naboo, Flo Siegel, and I'm back. It's been a while. <laughs> it has hey. been a beat. It has Welcome been a back. Beat. Yeah, thanks. To a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> yes. I missed it. And we truly run the gamut here in terms of rank from youngling to Padawan and from knight and apparently pirate to master. But no matter the rank that you carry, younglings, one thing remains constant. Much to learn we still have. Very true. So today on Bohemian Geek Studies, we are taking a detailed dorky dive into The Mandalorian Season 1. We're just over a week away from the season to premiere on Disney+, Plus, and needless Wild. to say, we are a tiny bit excited. So that. we are going back into Season 1 to discuss 10 of our favorite details, observations, and episodes for a refresher. Not that refresher. No. <laughs> Uh, also, if you haven't already, go back and check out our video on the Season 2 trailer up on our YouTube channel. Good shout, Anders. Nice. Yes, that's right. As always, this episode will contain spoilers, particularly for Mandalorian Season 1. We might do a little bit of guesswork on Season 2, but mostly Season 1. So if you haven't watched it yet, you've been warned. With that, let's begin by saying, punch it! Boom. Punch it. All right. So we have to start... First and foremost, with that first episode, the day it came out, I don't really think it's possible for anyone to understate how high the stakes were and the expectations were for this show. Mm -hmm. When it came out, it had been being teased for over a year. This was the, the reason out of the gate that Disney was relying on to get people to sign up for Disney+. Plus. Right. So yep. whether or not they could pull this off was going to be... I don't think it's unfair to say this was going to drive the future of star wars whether that yeah. was going to be big screen tv if they were going yes. to be able to do all of this mm -hmm. and holy mm -hmm. shit did they pull it off and i think correct <laughs> me if i'm wrong i mean because of some of the backlash warranted or unwarranted from the movies it was kind of like this this is really going to be i think i think like couple that with how han had been received it was mm -hmm. just like if this yeah does yeah. not work we're yeah. in trouble chewy yes. that's my recollection of things very very yes. much so and yeah, so my, my recollection was that this was the mandalorian was pretty pushed at d23 which is the the disney like con and they i mean it was like like you said the only thing really driving disney plus like you were signing mm -hmm. up for disney plus yeah. for mando and right. disney plus i mean has really carried disney through this like COVID time so like thank goodness yeah. that mando hit <laughs> Mm. yep and it hit and hard it hit hard oh my god that final scene the reveal the baby mm. Yoda reveal at the end we'll talk more about that in just mm -hmm. a minute but the fact that they kept that secret and no one had any idea it was coming it was just extraordinary essential that's insane that they essential. were able to keep that secret no. i mean yes. it was it was actually wild like so my husband works for consumer products and the fact that like there was no product because they couldn't like risk it being leaked it was just huge mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. such a surprise right. for everybody it was insane <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and no matter how much you like like spoilers and leaks and stuff people were really happy that this was not spoiled 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was a precious gift, truly. Mm -hmm. Like pun mm -hmm. pun fully yes. intended. It just was a perfect package. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. but that happens all the way at the end of that first episode. So right. going back right from the beginning, though, you get a very very quick sense of what this show is going to be. It's got this mm -hmm. western vibe, very much gunslinger walking into the cantina. Mm -hmm. um, it's got just that right amount of comedy in that um, that character that he's hunting at mm -hmm. first. Um, we see immediately kind of grinding us in a timeline here, there's some updated tech mm -hmm. from what we've seen before in Star Wars. I mean, Empire Strikes Back, all of Cloud City had that one giant carbon freezing chamber that they used to mm -hmm. freeze Han, and Mando just has one on the ship next to his bathroom. Yeah, no big <laughs> deal. <laughs> and he has just like people in like file folders. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? yeah. So all these bounties. All, all these the tabs people. are open. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also I also love that like subtle unspoken way of establishing just like what an incredible predator this Mandalorian is for like mm -hmm. movies hunting. Yeah. It was so subtle and delicious. <laughs> right? right. I mean the guy he was after didn't seem like he was that dangerous, but some of those people he had frozen probably were. Yeah. He's uh Colleen, can you tell us a little about the Empire though at this point? Like oh, we get yes. some cues pretty early about <laughs> yep. that. The Empire may be gone, but not everybody who was an Imperial is ready to give up just yet. Um, in the first episode, seeing the client, who is Werner Herzog, amazing, amazing actor and director. Mm -hmm. He had that kind of Imperial medal hanging around his neck, like really flamboyantly just out there. Like, I'm a fucking Imperial, y'all, and I'm not going away just yet. So it, they're not out. They're down, but they're not out. However, his stormtroopers are looking a little bit draggled. They are, like, their armor's dirty as fuck, guys. They don't look great. They're, they're trying. They're trying. Okay. It's tough times for the Imperials at this point. But they these are guys, still a presence. These guys actually, it kind of reminded me of, I don't know if any of you guys ever watched this show. I've mentioned it a couple of times. Um, Stargate franchise. There's an, about halfway through the series, like, the main seat series antagonist this like empire galaxy spanning empire is effectively toppled but then like later on in the show you still see like oh there's actually one here who's still controlling this planet and there's one here yeah. who's still controlling that planet yeah. and they're just like desperate to hang on to that power like that they used to have yeah mm -hmm. the remnant there will always be a little remnant hanging on yes I just remember and, like how crazy people got when they like realized it was an imperial medal and they were just like, oh my god. It was I just remember that being wild on the internet. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. It was yes. like crazy. Oh. <laughs> yes. The detail then, is fantastic. And then, and then the next one. Baby Yoda. Wants to take the next one. <laughs> Baby Yoda's yeah. here. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just excited. Baby Yoda is int mm -hmm. introduced. Memes and merchandise will never be the same again. Never. <laughs> Never. Mm. I mean, my kid has a Baby Yoda costume for this Halloween, so. <laughs> I can't reach this close to getting my nephew a, a Baby Yoda for his birthday this year, but I mean, unfortunately, great. it said ages three and up, and he was only turning two, so I was like, be on the safe side. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's just, that's a guideline. That's not a rule. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but uh, I mean, for all the excitement we have around Baby Yoda, there are a few questions about his introduction that I think mm -hmm. we need to bring up and some yeah. that don't really get asked I think as often as I would imagine they would maybe mm -hmm. I'm just not going deep enough on the internet I don't know um so when Mando and IG-88 in this 
epic gunfight battle scene right out of the gate. Rescue, quote unquote rescue him. He's being guarded by these Nikto, I think I'm saying that right? Nikto, Nikto, Nikto. Nikto mercenaries. But we never actually know who hired them. Like, right. We don't know. We don't know why they're here. We don't know why they're guarding this thing. We we don't. This kid. We don't know who's been. Raising I had always more. assumed it was just like ex, just extra, just like just frosting. You know, whoever's yeah, whoever's first, just get it done. That's what I uh, okay. assumed. Um, and you know, we find out that he is uh, one of the biggest jokes about him. He's fifty. He's a baby. Yeah, fifty years old. Fifty. He's fifty years old. But I have a question about that age and that timing, just in terms of development and what we know about Yoda's age. So in Empire Strikes Back, Yoda mentions that he's been training Jedi for 800 years. And then in Return of we the Jedi, he, die, <laughs> he, dies. Calm down. he dies when he says he's, nine, he's about 900. So presumably then, by the time he turned 100, he had been fully trained as a Jedi, uh, was at least a Jedi Knight, and had at least one Padawan. <laughs> yeah. So that means he's about twice as much baby Yoda's age, and if Flo, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, developmentally, baby Yoda seems like he's about 18 months to two years old, right? Yeah, I mean, that sounds about right, just like In based on how much he like walks and how he can drink from his little soup bowl. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I would say so, but I mean, you know, who really knows? And like, does this species like get a crazy growth spurt at like 51? Yeah, or at least mentally, like cognitively just shoots right mm -hmm. up there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Could or Yoda's talking out of his ass, or right. he's trying to <laughs> yeah. impress right. Luke. He's like, actually, I really have to talk myself up now because I'm the only one here to train Luke and he needs to believe me and right. trust me. Yeah. Or he's getting senile. Yoda's getting old, guys. But it can also take like us back to like, <laughs> it can also take us back to the previous question, which is like, how did baby Yoda get here? Where has he been this whole time? Yeah. Like, yeah, for 50 years, where has he been? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who was his yeah. babysitter before Mando? How did the client, how did Werner Herzog's client find out about him? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And we're assuming nothing's messed Gideon with DNA. Find out about him? Yeah. yeah. True. Right. Could be an imperial be experiment a with a clone. Right. Yeah. Of some yeah. kind. But so once we get there, there's this closing shot. Uh, Sarah, do you want to talk a little bit about that closing mm -hmm. shot? Yes. Of the episode? This is so this our is number like two. And it is the little baby Yoda and Mando Adam God moment, AKA the ET moment, just a touch. It was just so, so precious. So it was so <laughs> precious. And it was iconically, I mean, I think one of the things is the Western artistry just gets nailed. And yet there's this, sentimentality that's the heartstring of it all and that's the number two it's the space mm -hmm. dad tradition of it all the family you choose who wants to take kind mm -hmm. of the biblical meaning of this because i don't want to mm -hmm. steal the whole number two um yeah the instant i saw it, i thought sistine chapel it's mm -hmm. when god is reaching toward adam and michelangelo's masterpiece basically and that's the whole dichotomy between father and son what do we owe to our children? What do we owe to our parents? That kind of balance that needs to occur between a child and a parent. 
Yeah. And it's just like the helplessness of Yoda, little baby Yoda there, reaching towards this guy who's just kind of like, what the fuck is this? But also <laughs> feeling that kind of paternal energy, feeling himself as a child that was rescued. He's kind of starting to turn back on the positive aspects of himself. Yeah. Like, like oh. plus the creation myth part. So yes, who created little baby Yoda? That's definitely going to come into play at some point. Who is basically, if he is a clone, like quote unquote, who is his god who made him or who are his real parents? Yeah, this just popped in my head. Like we know the Kaminoans figured out a way to clone the, you know, our clone trooper friends to be like accelerated. So maybe they figured out a way to like decelerate a Yoda. Could be. Like maybe they just like wanted to keep it really cute and like harmless looking, but it's actually like a lethal. The pug version popped in my head. (laughs) Oh, the pug version. (laughs) Yeah, right. But like that could totally be. That could be. They could have figured that out. Um, I also like the idea that that Genesis moment. It's almost like in like a meta sense. It's like this moment is now spawning a new era for Star Wars. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. 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 Yes, Like. If I can make another little pun, it's almost like the New Testament of Star Wars, because if you think about it, there was a pivotal keystone father-son relationship in the first trilogy. And who was that father but a, a stranger in a mask? And here we have a different stranger in a mask who is more a father than Vader ever was. It's Yeah. It's very, very interesting. And I, I love, Filoni has this magical way of using, I don't even want to say trope because he does it so lovingly and so with such ingenuity. More of an homage or a motif. Yeah. Him and Favreau are so good at that. Exactly. I find it to be a very, very, very good father-son. Flo, do you want to take the next one, our third? Yes. So as a parent myself, I was extremely (laughs) impressed by the amazing hot rod that Baby Yoda sports. He is just chilling in this like levitating egg carrier doodah that like, again, we don't know where it came from. We don't know who built it. He's just like in it. We don't know for how long he's been in it. If he's like been able to get out and walk around this room he's been stuck in. But man, I am down with that thing. I want to stick my kid in it and just like send her floating down the street. It'll follow it's you. Incredible. Autonomous yeah. that way. Yes. It's like yeah. so great. I don't have to like push anything uphill. Man, I don't man, need a flying car. No. Yeah. I, I need don't a need flying car. Yeah. <laughs> totally. totally. And it's like got that sweet shade so he can just nap. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like it's the greatest ever. But the question is, of course, like what secrets does it have? Was it made on Camino? If Baby Yoda is a clone slash not, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um. It does Dr. Pershing know about it? Did he, mm-hmm. you know, who knows? Like, we don't really know where this thing came from, so. Was he yeah, a yeah, DNA yeah. source, maybe? Yeah. They, mm-hmm. they had him as a source to make other Yodas and it didn't work, maybe? I don't know. Super possible, but either way, stroller, I, I like the idea. stroller people out there, I need you to make this right now. I like the idea that has a bunch of hidden weapons, too. Like, he's going to hit a button sometime and it's just going to start firing. Yeah. yeah. I can totally I see that. I, I also 
before we move on to point four, I also loved the artistry of the Mudhorn's egg's destruction. And like, mm -hmm. you can see without ever seeing Mando's face, just like the, duh, bro, this is, this is what you're about to like deliver like the milkman. Is that really what you want to do? I think, mm -hmm. I think it was just so beautifully done. So pointed that out. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Colleen, can you talk to us about force abilities? Yes. I know how much you love them. I do. I, do. <laughs> I love a force ability. I love looking at all the different ones and be like, ooh, what have we got next yeah, coming up for the next series that's going to be an ability? Um, every time Lil Shammy Shake used a new ability, I was just like, yay! <laughs> he can do that too. I was so excited. It um, was honestly like proud parents with the report card. It was like, yes, oh, was, bless yes. his heart. Look a at plus. That. A plus, totally. I mean, just in episode two, he exhibited that telekinesis power yes. immediately yes. with the mudhorn. Yeah. And Mando's like, what is happening? Poor little guy, he tired himself out so much. Oh my gosh, it was it. so cute. Every time he falls asleep after he does something. It's like, <laughs> faints is so cute. Um, the other one was healing. And Disney was actually really smart here. They introduced it on Mando before they introduced it in Rise of Skywalker with Rey. So they were kind of priming the audience to realize that this was a power, even though it had been established other places in canon and legends, they really wanted to hit this point home. So mm -hmm. there's like connections between Lil Shammy Shake and Ray, maybe, if it's just force powers, that's great. But this enhanced healing ability for how old he is, considering he is still a child, that's pretty right. crazy. Yeah. And he's very instinctually drawn to healing. Which I, I wonder if really that cool. would indicate maybe a yellow lightsaber or is could be. He's just gotta do the magic hand. I guess hand we'll thing. find out. Yep. Yeah. Do the magic hand thing, baby. <laughs> I also love grief cargo. We'll talk about him later. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then like I said before, there's that tradition of introducing new Jedi abilities or new force abilities with the telekinesis. That wasn't introduced until Empire Strikes Back. Uh, the lightning, the force lightning from Palpy wasn't introduced until Return of the Jedi. <laughs> yes. You guys like that? Power. <laughs> I mean, I guess since I it's love dark that. side power. I do love that Vader can't use it, but that's a story for another day. Um, <laughs> and then also when Baby Yoda pushes back or holds back the fire from the stormtrooper, mm -hmm. the flame trooper, right. uh, Kanan Jarrus actually showed that level of skill in Rebels. So I was... Then, of course, then that scene made me cry because it made me think about Kanan. <laughs> Aww. That, that had also been established, but we, had, we hadn't really seen any Jedi do anything yeah. like that. And unfortunately, Kanan didn't walk away from that one. He did no. not. He did not. Luckily, our little baby is just like a force freaking prodigy. I mean, that, I mean, that's like gotta collect them all mm -hmm. right like at this yes. point geez. is that what the is that what the stroller is it's a pokeball <gasps> yes, pokeball. <laughs> yes. I you, baby yoda yes we we might see him too exhibit powers that were in legends only mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. i doubt we'll see him develop shatterpoint which was mace windu's kind yeah. of force ability what is that what I is get it later but that's pretty advanced that is where you can detect from a person's kind of emotional, psychological ley lines, how they're connected to other people, you can figure out what their weak point is Ooh, wow. at certain points in their life. And of course, that for me, it just model. went fucking over his head with Anakin, but that's fine. I, so I don't think, well, maybe Yoda will be able to do that yet, maybe someday. Um, he might be able to gain an affinity for animals. He kind of showed that they were drawn to him, but yeah. then the little cat also took a swipe at him. 
when he yeah. wasn't trying to eat them. In the kitchen. You're right. When he wasn't trying to eat them, <laughs> which would be very Ezra. And if that Ezra might pop in to the series at some point, that would be a cool connection for them. So I cool. would really like to see if he's good at mental manipulation or force illusions, which was a power of Cornhorn in Legends. How would you see that? Yeah. He can basically make people see things. Like he can produce illusions that make people act. So I thought that's a pretty. Palpatine kind of has that to a degree, doesn't he? I think so. Really good at manipulation. Yeah. Palpatine, I think, can induce force visions. I don't know if that's ever really been Hmm. canonized, but it seems like he has that kind of ability. I'd like to see that one play out. I'd be a little bit. Yeah. Like Dark Side. You have to be very careful with that one. Listen, every once in a while, everyone thinks little baby Yoda is like super cute and everything. Every once in a while, I'm like, <laughs> we need like a moment to talk about responsibility. Maybe in the Darth Jar Jar situation. It's like. He does go for that force choke. Right? Yeah, he That's does. what I'm saying. Yeah. So. That's another one that's in his arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It could happen. <laughs> All right. Next one. We have to keep going, right? Yes. <laughs> We're going to talk about the Prison Break episode next. Anders, do you want to take this one? Yes. Or start this one? I will start this one. So the episode, The Prisoner. Now, there is a little bit of disagreement among us here. We'll get into that all about the where this episode kind of falls in terms of like favorite, least favorite type thing. But I'm here to say this episode freaking rules. All right. Simple point, the cast. Um, We'll go into a little bit more detail on some of these later but i mean instantly you have an episode a single episode with bill burn natalia tana clancy brown richard iote and matt lanter the voice of anakin from clone wars yes (laughs) makes an appearance in this episode that's not even to say that they got like three series three show directors in as the x-wing pilots at the end Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like um, that a lot. That was so cool. Yes. On another like little bit here, it I think this episode is kind of a little bit of a break from traditional form, which personally I like. Um, the season only had eight episodes at about 40 minutes each. And for a show that is ostensibly pretty serialized to kind of break away and go new places and do new things for stuff that doesn't necessarily have to do with this overarching story is pretty impressive to make that work. Yeah. In this case, we're actually it's the first time we're not really on a new planet, it's a space station. Mm-hmm. And I think that that makes it feel a little bit more Star Wars-y um, in a certain way. Like you could just show me a picture of that prison ship's hallway and instantly I'm like, that's gotta be Star Wars. Yeah. The way that they designed that set, the, all the right. white and the black contrasting, um, the security droids, all that stuff. And last but not least, I mean, who doesn't love a good heist episode? <laughs> you got to plan, you got to execute the heist. Something goes wrong, betrayal that everyone saw coming a mile away, except the one guy. Right. Um, Poor Mando. <laughs> and, you know, fighting a prison guard and escaping from your cell. Just everything is just pure choice. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of their smaller details that I thought were just like really fun that I really noticed on this last rewatch. Um, you know, the droid Zero is about to get Baby Yoda. He raises his hand and then something shoots the droid and Baby Yoda's just like looking. He's like, Did That was honestly so funny. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> oh, good. Um, and then 
like I said, those X-Wings showing up and destroying the station in the end. Yeah. It's just all around love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Colleen, what was your opinion on this one? Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't my favorite episode. I'd say it's more somewhere in the middle for me. I do love that it established a different mood for Star Wars than we're used to. It was shot both as a heist and a horror film. A little mm-hmm. bit of a different aesthetic there. Um, there were a lot of fun set pieces and those really eerie special effects. It reminded me a lot of Ridley Scott's horror masterpiece, Alien. Yes. Like, yes, give me more of this vibe. <laughs> I really like the Star Wars when it goes to, down that kind of horror corridor because there's some scary shit happening in space, guys. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. It just brought a whole new feel. I love the whole stalking through a haunted ship kind of thing <laughs> that was happening. How you're just following Mando at like a Terminator almost going from person to person to try and take them out. Um, it really worked. And I think the scene where it turned from just heist movie into that horror movie was when they broke, quote unquote, broke the horror movie rules and killed the innocent person, right. the Matt yep. Lanter's character, Davin. I think that's when it turned from, oh yeah, this is a great heist. Everything's gonna go right, guys. Like Ocean's Eleven up in here. Mm-hmm. To the, oh crap, now this monster is going to be stalking and killing us. I love that part. What about you, Flo? Yeah, I mean, this is my favorite episode of the whole season. I thought, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) honestly, so I haven't, I'm going to admit this, I have not rewatched since, but this is like the one episode that really sticks out in my mind just because I like can still see me and my husband like sitting on the couch completely glued to the screen because it was like so adrenaline inducing, like what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like I totally get that it felt super Star Wars, but it also felt a little bit Marvel. Like, yeah. I don't know, it's like, it felt a little bit, like, Guardians, maybe? Like, when they're trying to break yeah. out of, the of like, the jail there, um, which I just rewatched. So, I don't know. I loved it. I, like, loved the strobing effects that were in it. I, I, just, I just thought it was brilliantly shot. I thought it was so great. Yeah. And I didn't see anything coming, so I was, like, super surprised. <laughs> 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 Very easy audience. <laughs> Sarah, what about you? So this was my least favorite episode, <laughs> and I hate to end like on the negative point, but yeah, I would love it. it. I want it. Yeah, I wouldn't consider it a negative. Come I on. would consider it a critique. And I think what's interesting is my critiques are exactly what some people, i.e., all three of you, have said are reasons why you love it. And so it's more of a dealer's choice, if you will. So like, I'm not that into heists. So there we go, heist. I wasn't, I was so smitten on this Western feel that it was too much of a break for me. It did not feel realistic. I felt removed from the story. If it was a complete universe all in its own, I think I would have enjoyed it more. But because the break was so severe for me, and I love the fact that directors got their own episode. I think that that was a fantastic, innovative decision by the Mandalorian team. And this isn't a dig against the director at all. I mean, as Flo says, those moments stand out to you. But Mm -hmm. because I'm not a horror gal and because I didn't want to watch Suicide Squad in Star Wars, Marvel, the Marvel feel. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's kind of my my end all, and then and then besides that, I just didn't find the um like sex relationship that believable either. Show me, like show, don't tell. Okay, Filoni, <laughs> show, don't tell. This is still on Disney Plus, Sarah. All right, this is not. 
This is not I an mean, HBO Max type She was type practically deal. licking her knife. That she was. That was as crazy as Star Wars. That's what I'm get. saying. It was like, it was a little bit too much and definitely not enough. I'll agree with you on that one. I did not buy the like romance slash sex situation. Yeah. I was just like, I was okay, gonna say, like, this is that we're not calling situation. this a romance. No. <laughs> this is not a romance. Sex cool. of convenience. Cool, <laughs> Completely. Like it just it felt so off. And maybe and maybe that's because sex is so not really talked about right. in Star Wars as right. well. Um yeah. sometimes I wish it would be. That's but, why we have fan fiction. That's true. <laughs> like plug for that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that's that's my kind of critique. But why don't we, unless we have anything further, we can get to our sixth one. How do we feel yeah. about that, folks? I nope. think we're good. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this, this is, is your category, Sarah. Yes. yes our so defender. Defender, <laughs> defender of Droids IG-11 was a fantastic droid. So <laughs> iconic. <laughs> Frankly, sometimes when there are brackets as to favorite droids, people end up choosing this droid as their absolute favorite. The redemption arc was phenomenally played out. And you could see, I would argue, the humanity in this droid. Mm -hmm. And so one of the biggest things is that this is a reprogrammed droid. Is this the first time that we've seen this in Star Wars? Is is it at least on screen, on screen. I want to say yes. Okay, because um, because someone here mentioned and Anders, if you included this quote, C three PO mentions against his programming hmm. to impersonate a deity. So there there are yeah. certain. There's a little bit of leeway there. So C three PO does mention because obviously IG's. Um, reprogramming plays a huge factor in his redemption the fact that he was found and reprogrammed to be a nanny droid um but you know c3po mentions in um return of the jedi when luke's like okay they think you're a god just tell them you're going to use your magic and c3po's like no i can't do that i would not it would it's against my programming to impersonate a deity (laughs) it wouldn't be proper (laughs) And then he still kind of does it anyway. Luke's mm-hmm. like, just say the words, I got this. But then we also have his programming coming up again in Rise of Skywalker, where he's like, he's physically incapable of voicing the translation of that Sith dagger. Right. So right. it seems like there is some wiggle room around like what you're, what you're actually bound to with your programming. Some things you can, some things you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Now, Colleen, I think you put this in here about mm. Mr. Bones. Mr. Bones. Mr. Bones. Mr. Bones from the Aftermath novels. Yes, I love, love him, Mr. but go Bones for it. So much. Yep, he is actually a heavily reprogrammed and remodified B1 battle droid. Snap Wexley, who is in the sequel trilogy, is actually the one who made him or mm-hmm. remade him into kind of this like all around bodyguard droid. He's basically like a little murder machine. <laughs> And he likes singing and dancing, and it's it's kind of bizarre when he does it because he's like covered in blood and stuff when he sings and dances. That's so creepy. Um, so he's yeah. just not like he's his been, like repaint. He's like he's almost like repainted in like Darth Maul colors. Red, he's all like yeah. red, red and black, and black. And, and he's got like mm-hmm. blades that he like slashes with. And yeah. he's really, Mr. Bones is not yeah. messing around. No, clearly um, threaten snap. No, <laughs> if you threaten snap, it's it's all over. Yeah. So he's Um, kind of the prevalent one I can think of who's like really reprogrammed to go against his base nature. 
But anytime we talk about like reprogramming androids and Sarah, you referenced this earlier, like you see that humanity coming through. I want to ask you about this because IG does yeah. say a couple of times, I'm not a living thing. Ah, but you forget <laughs> he was in nanny mode. And what do you do in nanny mode? You make sure that your charges are okay. Say what you gotta say. You say what you gotta say. Mm -hmm. So you think that that's, that that's just a line? You don't think? I think that's just a line. And anyone telling you otherwise is trying to sell <laughs> you on otherwise. I mean, droids are obsessed with deactivation. They do not want to, quote unquote, die. 3PO yeah. especially is very, very into it. Uh, the books I'm reading right now, The New Jedi Order, the bad guys, the overarching big bads, destroy droids. And the droids are terrified. They are terrified of these creatures that are coming for them. So it's not like they're, they always say non-sentient, like we're non-sentient, but mm, are they? Yeah, no way. Once they're operational for like, long enough, I think it starts to become, yes. I think, I think it becomes kind of the debate amongst people and we don't have to go here, but like, do pets have souls, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think, I think sometimes people compare droids to the pets of Star Wars because they don't want to believe that like, oh, it's actually slavery. Um, <laughs> Which I okay. take like the the most extreme version. So like, <laughs> so like if if droids are pets, do pets have souls? And I say yes. So droids have little souls, uh, maybe little mechanical souls, but they're souls. Caroline, I think it's uh, really funny that you just mentioned. Um, you know, if he's on for long enough, maybe he kind of like gains that sentience, that ability. Um, just. Literally last night, I was watching um, Terminator Dark Fate, where they Arnold Schwarzenegger absolutely comes out and says that I was around for long enough that mm. I became fully sentient. Oh, and I think that was an iRobot as well, in a way, that the Supreme Court decision ended up determining that that, that was Bicentennial Man. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, thank yeah. you. He only gained like humanity when he died, which was yeah. he was rough. capable of dying. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, speaking speaking of which, I IG Eleven did sacrifice himself well, and so we're kind of in a droid. Like, will there be another one? Won't there be another one? I don't know. This isn't a prediction that you know there have been any whispers or anything. I would love to see another one. I would absolutely love to see another droid in season two, one hundred percent. Yeah, I would agree because IG Eleven was like the big surprise for me on this show. I mean, besides obviously Baby Yoda, but like. I yeah. feel like episode one, you see IG-11 and you're like automatically against him because he's against Mando. And then to see that like relationship develop and like just that arc change and how you feel about IG-11 like completely change, that mm -hmm. was like really moving for yes. this first season. So I definitely hope that we get some droids or definitely like some more like emotional content in the same vein because yeah. I thought it was great some of his shots were just the most beautifully oh, yeah. like rendered things the way he's yeah. able to move on screen mm -hmm. and like twisting and turning all over the place yeah. while still so protecting clever. his little baby yoda yep um, so good pretty much other than that the only droid we find in season one that really has a real part to play um other than being just like a security droid or like a driver or something like that is zero in the episode the prisoner he's mm -hmm. he's a little bit of a villain so will we really get more droids throughout this this is kind of a this is a low-level droid version of star wars i mean every iteration of this franchise up till this point has had 
kind of the quirky droid sidekick in some right. capacity, usually yeah. like a cute little astromech or kind of a sarcastic sidekick. <laughs> yeah, you got K2. Um, yep. I'm completely or blanking on her. L3, L3, thank you. L3. I was like completely blanking yeah. on her name. I'm like Phoebe Waller-Bridge, the yes. solo droid. <laughs> um, you know, to provide some extra sarcasm, comic relief, and usually some form of deus ex machina. Yep. So, but does Baby Yoda kind of fill that role? I don't think... Not the I, sarcasm, I say potentially. It. That's what I was going to say. I, 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 These words sound uncomfortable in my mouth. I can't even say it right. <laughs> like, it's uncomfortable. Baby Yoda would not be enough. You, you need some yeah. sentient. You need that dialogue. You need that Han Solo repartee, that, that Poe Dameron. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you, you need that, that, that bite and that, that masculine sass, I think. What if we, like, open on season two and Baby Yoda is, like, teenage Groot and just, like, is full of sass? <laughs> That I would allow. I I I'd I pay money, shocked, but yeah. I would pay money. I'd go for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would go that. for it. Speaking, you're not my real speaking, dad. That's right. <laughs> speaking, well, things I, I would go me. for. Why don't we move on to number seven, which is Mandalorian culture mm -hmm. and armor? Colleen, why don't mm -hmm. you start us off on this? Yep, we love our Mandos. Um, first off, mask on, mask off. Why did this start? Who started mm -hmm. it? Do we have any ideas, you guys? I posted one earlier that I think the armor did it herself, or maybe mm -hmm. Bo-Katan did, but do you guys have any ideas? Like, why? Yeah, do we, do we have any idea how long this has been? My understanding was it was mm -hmm. kind of like, always. And I, I find it to be a very cool, intriguing narrative plot device as for why a culture would decide to do something that is so disconnected to like one's ability to see oneself as a warrior as as a whatever that that blows my mind so it's the coolest narrative plot device but i have no idea it's Colin. really cool i think mm -hmm. it's definitely not been always or if it has it's always been this particular little subsect that we've never right. actually met before because just thinking back to the Mandalorians we have seen throughout Star Wars, you know, you've got Sabine who absolutely yep. takes her helmet off. Right. Um, you've got you've got Jango Fett uh, in Attack of the Clones who walks around without his helmet, Definitely. allows himself to be cloned into all of those clone mm -hmm. troopers. Um, and then throughout the animated series, anytime we're on Mandalore um, or any of its kind of satellite planets, you do see plenty of characters taking their helmets off. Yep. Right. So... Boba Fett doesn't, but Boba he's not, in, not. not in very many of the movie scenes, so that yeah. could just be a coincidence. And he definitely is walking around sans armor um, in Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, baby Boba, definitely. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I wonder like when they would have to put their helmet on, because baby Boba does not. I think it's when they, That's when they really hard it. to say. it's kind of implied. Baby Boba. Baby Boba. Baby Boba, baby Yoda. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, this is the quandary that we've come to. Like, what is she talking about? This right. is the way? Like, when did this become the way? Although when that tagline is such a great tagline. Oh, okay. This is oh, yeah. the way, and I have spoken, are two of the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> things that have come out of Star Wars in quite some time. Yes. Um, 
even though the Mandalorians do seem, even though there's not very many of them, they're still kind of contentious. Like, yeah. freaking Paz Vizsla's drawing on Mando for almost no reason, trying to take his helmet off so that he gets exiled out of the group. <laughs> like, really? There's Actually, not very many of you. Why aren't you, like, helping each other? Eventually they do. Like, yes, they do fight together because this is the way we That's keep each other way. alive, we keep each other safe. Mm-hmm. But still, they still have to be fighting with each other. And they're still underground. Like, the Empire has officially fallen. They make several references to this great mm-hmm. purge that obviously must happen sometime post Siege of Mandalore, so sometime under the Empire, mm-hmm. probably with um, Moff Gideon After a new hope, wiping out yeah, wiping out Mandalorian culture, but now the Empire is gone and they're still hiding underground so I'm really curious to explore that reasoning um, hopefully they address it some in season two at least, I don't know yeah. yeah, hopefully Din knows at least a little bit like have they been doing it since he was younger? Like, how old was he when this started? Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see whether it was because of the Great Purge or not. Um, yeah. yeah, or it's just too soon. Like, there's just not enough of them where they can be seen. Mm-hmm. And they can mask their numbers. They're going in single file, Anders, out of the sewers. <laughs> they can mask their numbers that way. <laughs> Marching, single file. Exactly. Just like the Tuscan Raiders do. All right, uh, next, we want to move on to, this is one of our favorites, the major casting. Anders, do you want to take this one? I know you're excited about a lot of these guys. I am, actually, a lot of these people. So I think it just goes without saying, again, only eight episodes in this first season. They had to make a splash. So out of the gate, like not only in terms of their main casts, obviously Pedro Pascal as as the Mandalorian was huge, huge Mm -hmm. news, but they have what I can only deem as like law and order level guest casting in these episodes, Mm -hmm. like with a great eye for bringing in extremely recognizable talent to pull off some great performances. Yeah. And also a couple of like lesser known people who absolutely make a splash. I mean, Mm -hmm. we mentioned Giancarlo Esposito, the big mysterious, big bad of breaking bad, Mm-hmm. Um, made a huge name for himself there, and I think he is on Better Call Saul as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Um, as villain. Moff Gideon, this extremely villainous character who shows up in the last couple episodes, Carl freaking Weathers as the Mando. bounty hunter guild leader. Mando! I love him so <laughs> As Grief Karga, he's just so, so good. He so is good. chewing up every single mm-hmm. moment he's on screen. You could tell he's having a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Burr coming in for The Prisoner as Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Gina Carano as that ex-Rebel star, star yeah, shock trooper. Yeah. Cara yeah. Dune. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we're disappointed in her. Um, I don't think we're going to go into all the controversy around her staying on the show. Like the she played the character very well. She played the also, character very mm-hmm. well. She, mm-hmm. um, but she sucks on Twitter, so I'm just going to say it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I can't um, I can't see it anymore. She blocked me. That's all I'll say. That's because you're a winner. <laughs> That's how we roll sometimes. <laughs> other like just other random people. I mean, you've got Amy Sedaris coming in mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. her best Ellen Ripley cosplay yes. as a hilarious caregiver oh, in God. her own right. Mm-hmm. Uh Pelimano in episode mm-hmm. five. We've mentioned before Ming Na Wen as Your a girl. Short, oh, she's my girl. Um as Fennec Shand, again, episode five. Mm-hmm. Um, a nice little unknown in that episode. 
mm-hmm. Bobby Cannavale's son Jake as mm-hmm. the would-be bounty hunter Toro Callahan. Um, and then, as I mentioned before, you've got Natalia Tena as a Twi'lek Zian uh, in episode six. This appearance makes her one of only two actors in the world that have appeared in Star Wars, Harry Potter, and Game of Thrones. I mean, she played that role. Like, even though it wasn't my favorite, I believed that she was that character through and through. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, The one other actor is Julian Glover, uh, who appears in Empire Strikes Back. Um, He's the voice of Aragog, and he's Grandmaster Pycelle. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got Nick Nolte as the voice of Quill, who is just, he's amazing. He's a great little Ugnaught. I have spoken. Oh my God, I love him. Um, We talked about IG-11, that's Taika Waititi, um, the director and um, actor. Pedro Pascal, obviously, as the Mando. Um, You know, we talked before about some season two castings that we've that have been rumored about, um, Timely Oliphant, Rosario Dawson, potentially mm-hmm. appearing in season two. So just generally, I mean, the strength of this cast, it's what incredible. they've managed to pull yeah. in is nothing short of incredible. It it's is insane. absolutely insane. Yeah, totally. And to give people, the voice actors, a chance to actually act on screen is really cool. As Matt Lanter got to be yeah. an on-screen Star Wars role. <laughs> that must have been so exciting for him, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a little disappointed they didn't name the character Annie. Right? <laughs> that would have been cute. And Davin is fine. <laughs> like, your name's Annie? Really? Yeah. Like, why? Yes, my parents were big fans. Big fans. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, I could see, I think that's a good one. I think that they could, you know, find... Find find roles for some of the other voice actors. Obviously, if Rosario Dawson's going to be Ahsoka, right? Then Ashley then Eckstein should be someone. Could mm-hmm. make an appearance somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of it on the casting. We are moving into our ninth little observation, favorite point, and that is flow. Yeah. So just as much as they had to completely hit the first episode, they had to Ooh. nail the ending. So our ninth point is just about the entire finale because we couldn't even pick one part of the finale. We just want to <laughs> talk about the whole finale. So Anders, do you want to start us off with that? Sure. Um, I mean, let's just start with kind of at the beginning those two stormtroopers. Fuck those that guys. Are... <laughs> I'm getting yeah, there, Flo, them. okay? I'm getting there. <laughs> Not only do they do they do a little like meta poking fun at themselves with they're doing a little target practice and they're trying to shoot a can or like a little motor that's like five feet away and they can't hit it at all. Um, they also became the two most hated beings in the entire galaxy when they punched Baby Yoda in that bag. Just once. <laughs> so that was the worst. So yeah. flows right. Fuck those guys. Okay. Um, yeah, back to IG Eleven in protective mama programming mode. He just fucks shit up. He is not having it. Major Molly Weasley vibes going on here. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> not my Yoda, you bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving into the standoff in the city. And side note, like, is there anything more terrifying that you guys can think of of being like? 
pinned down in a location. No. The villain just like walks out and starts like naming all of you like first and last names and like all these background details about everybody in your crew. No. Nope. So well done. So bad. Mando does remove his helmet. We get Pedro Pascal on screen just long enough to probably get an Emmy nomination <laughs> to to qualify. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> <laughs> then eventually, you know, we get the escape through the tunnels. Shoot, nice little callback. Um, Gina Carano is like shooting at the grate, trying to open it just like Leia did in uh, on the Death Star. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. IG sacrifice, <laughs> and I mean. I could I could just keep going. There's so much packed into yeah. this episode. It is so amazing, but I want to know what you guys think. Mm-hmm. I've talked enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a crazy, crazy finale. Loved every single second of it. Um, I was excited to get more of Moff Gideon because, as I said before, I love Giancarlo Esposito. Like, he can do no wrong. Every single scene he's in, I'm like, yes. And then, of course, we'll talk about this lastly, when he cut himself out of the TIE fighter with a certain weapon yes. mm-hmm. and nearly lost my shit. It was like, <gasps> clapping. It was so <laughs> great. Um, the music. Oh, my God. Shouts to the composer who is Ludwig Goransson. The music, in not in just the finale, but the entire show, is yep. so fantastic and so evocative without being, like, certain it's Star Wars, but still like, oh, that's Star Wars. Right. It fits into the world really well, and he just, he deserves any awards that he gets for his score work on this. Just incredible. Um, love the director, Taika Waititi. He, he's fantastic. Like, not only is he IG, he's also directing this, and there's so much action, but he knows precisely where to do, like, little bits and pieces to kind of not give us battle fatigue from all of the explosions and stuff that's happening. So it moves along at a really quick pace, but it's still action-packed. And, of course, little Shammy, when he, <laughs> he raises his little hands and he stops the fire explosion. Too much. And too cute. The angle on that shot, I loved. Even though it's kind of not possible to actually get an angle like that, it just looked great. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the finale, of course, left open so many possibilities for the series to come. Yep. <laughs> Freaking the exposition upload from the armorer in less skilled hands that would have seemed like either cheesy or like they're trying to shove way too much information down our throats too quickly. And there's plenty of people online who are like, why is she being so cagey? Why is she talking like this? It's Star Wars. Of course she's being cagey. (laughs) Why wouldn't she be cagey? Of course she's going to be. She's the one with all the information. Can't just go giving that to the protagonist. Um, but it was just filled with so much gravitas and wonder, which I think is totally Star Wars. Like, yes, you can't have all the information at once, otherwise there's no story. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that left us with a question, like, why is the armorer talking like this? What is she hiding? Right. Which I think we'll see a lot more of in season two. For sure. Flo, do you have anything else to add before I get to number 10? Yeah, I mean, I hadn't been this excited for a show since the final season of Game of Thrones. Mm. Um, and obviously, like, we all know how that went. So it was just, like, mm. really... And I did still enjoy the last season of Game of Thrones, don't get me wrong. It just didn't, you know, it didn't hit the way I wanted it to hit. So having this show just really nail it for me. And, you know, from the first episode to the last episode, they just really crushed it. My favorite part of this episode, I would say, was probably the Stormtroopers with Baby Yoda, just because I was so (laughs) worried that they were going to actually hurt him and that we were going to end this, like, 
this first season without Baby Yoda. Like, I knew in my head that they wouldn't do that, but in my heart, I was really, really worried. <laughs> Just because, like, Star Wars has done me dirty before. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was nervous. But, yeah, I mean, I loved all of it. I can't wait for season two. I'm so excited. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think they nailed it. I, I think they nailed it. My favorite part was IG. I sobbed. That's it's so fine. Funny. I I will sob again when I re re rewatch it. It's fine. And and so I think I think that's probably one of the most impressive parts. The fact that there were so many different talented directors. It it totally felt as if it was its own one season, and it just. Nailed it. And you know yeah. what else nailed it? Our number 10, which was that delicious dark saber, yeah. which showed up in the last shot mm-hmm. of season one. So, mm. I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't just do that to us <laughs> without it meaning something. So I yeah, can't bro. wait to see it show up in season two inevitably. Yeah. And for a full backstory on this incredible, incredible we- we- weapon, weapon, Check out our episode on representation in Star Wars and Sabine Wren, The Warrior, because we cover Mm -hmm. it there. And what's really, really cool about this, fun fact, is it was a physical prop seeing it behind Mm -hmm. the scenes. Why don't, who, who did that note to take it away? Take it away. That was me. I almost had like, I almost had the same reaction to actually seeing it on screen as when I was watching the Disney Gallery series where they do a lot of behind the scenes around this. And you see Giancarlo Esposito literally just walking around the set with a physical <laughs> blade that is lit up, like That's almost wild. exactly the way it turns out in the final product. Yeah. That was not like CG into it, which is just like, I just think that's so cool. Yes. <laughs> the I'm fact sure that it's so real tangible, it. you can do it now, is just, it's, it, 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 it's magic. It's it magic really brought is. to life. That's really um, what it is. And so, like, you know, we didn't see this in the season two trailer. Um, obviously, they're kind of keeping it under wraps, but knowing the history of this blade, all the references we made to the Great Purge, and that's likely how Moff Gideon came into possession of it, we can assume at some point this thing is going to show up in a pretty significant way for something that is so central yeah, yeah. to Mandalorian culture. Mm-hmm. For it to not would just be weird at this point. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah. What Are were we y'all's? Get to see Mando wield it? We don't know. Could be. Maybe that's why he has to meet up with Ahsoka and Sabine. Mm. The possibilities are endless. What yes. were What were your reactions? For me, I just knew. Oh, the internet's gonna love it. What were your reactions, <laughs> guys? And Flo, why don't you take it first to seeing the dark saber? Okay. Well, I can take it first because I didn't notice it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I obviously, <laughs> I was like still very concerned about Yoda, okay? Don't at me like that, internet. Yeah. Um, I, Understandable. I, I did not watch Rebels. I'm still working through Clone Wars. So um, the Darksaber does not mean much to me, you know, yet. Besides what you guys mm-hmm. have taught me and what our friends on the internet have taught me. And so like, I know it's important, but like on first watch, I wasn't like, oh my God. I was just like, oh, weird. Like he's got a lightsaber. That's like really strange. Um, so yeah, so it didn't do anything for me, but I'm very excited to see where it goes in season two. And hopefully I'll, you know, eventually catch up and watch Rebels. Mm-hmm. Anders, how about you? I was, I was just like, oh my God. I was just really excited when it turned up. Cause for some reason I had 
no expectations that this was going to turn up right. at any point. Like, mm-hmm. and I don't, looking back on it, it seems like somewhat obvious that they would bring that in in some way. Um, but so I was just like floored back and Flo, I think that's really interesting the way you said how you like didn't even notice it because I was talking to my brother who's, you know, not nearly as into any of the Star Wars lore that I am. Like he's never watched Clone Wars Rebels, any of that. But introducing this thing that is, even if you're a casual Star Wars fan, it is still unique. Yeah. It is still something you haven't actually seen before. So he's just sitting there like, that's kind of interesting. We've never seen we've never seen a lightsaber that looks like that, that that color or that like kind of flat blade well, to it. Well, at first I thought you were sitting like, there like like I was really confused as to like why my TV was so dark. I was like, why does it have like a normal like color? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I thought so, it was even for the casual viewer, it is still like something that can really has the potential to pull you in mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, no, I was just like giddy. I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> Yes. Colleen? Well, I was spoiled by my brother. No! <laughs> who had watched the episode in the morning, and I had wow. to go to work, so I had to wait to watch it for when I got home. Oh, oh no. What's worse? I'm the one who introduced him to Clone Wars and Rebels. <laughs> so he was like, That's oh, cool. it's really cool in The Mandalorian when the Darksaber showed up. I was like, what? <laughs> I think you I should was, zone him. Just like kick him out of the family. Yeah. So be done. And he's notorious for spoiling things. Like he he doesn't mind spoilers, so he sometimes forgets that other people do. Yeah. So then when I texted right. him back, I was like, I haven't watched the episode yet. He was like, Oh shit. <laughs> like <laughs> my brother You can't do that. Versus like, again. <laughs> Uh, like on the day of like you can't you can't bring that day of day of finale i had not watched anything on the internet i had stayed off the internet and off of facebook i didn't know anything about what was going to happen except that moff gideon was coming back because he was in the preview and then the one thing my brother says is the dark saber. So here's what you've learned. Season two, don't talk to anyone. Yeah, don't, don't talk to my brother. Get up yeah. early, watch the episode. Yes, I yep. will be getting up early now. But yeah, it and still floored me. I thought it was so cool. I'm like, oh, dark saber. Awesome. <laughs> Sarah? And I was just going to say, tune, tune in to find out more because we'll be covering season two of uh, Mandalorian soon enough. And I think yeah. for now that kind of wraps things up for us today. So thank you so much for joining BGS. Subscribe to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get those delicious sweet podcasts to your ears. And subscribe to us on YouTube. And you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or head over to the bohemiangeekstudies.com for all of our detailed dorky dives. And specifically, we've got some of Colleen's book corner reviews started up. And until next time, dark sabers up and keep those episodes streaming. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.